We're in the middle of our uh, Luke series, our Advent series, talking about good news, and we're talking about purpose, the purpose of why Jesus came. So we've covered four things so far. The first is that you can be certain. The good news of why Jesus came was to help you be certain about eternal life, about Jesus, about the Bible. You don't have to guess. You don't have to guess with your soul. You can be certain about the truth. The second thing is the good news that nothing is impossible with God. Jesus came through uh, a virgin womb, all to show that nothing is impossible with God. The third thing, the good news that God keeps his promises. And you know what was cool about Anna's story uh, was that that week was the week we talked about God keeping his promises here. So that was our sermon, and then that was lived out there uh, in a way that wasn't planned. So that was cool. Number four, there is a path to peace, which Dale preached last week. The good news is that you can have peace. It is accessible and available to you in Jesus. So today, the good news for part five is that God is in control. Everybody say, God is in control. God is in control. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is in control. Look at him. Say, God is in control. God is in control. Another way to say this is that nothing is accidental. We've seen, and we've seen this play out, if you've been paying attention, that God is orchestrating this whole situation by his hand, by his plan. God has been controlling thousands of years of history to get us to this moment where Jesus comes. And we're going to see in this passage in verses 1 through 7 how he uses ordinary, regular things in the midst of the world to bring about his purposes. He's going to use a government ruling. He's going to use where people are from. He's going to use family lineages, lineages, road trips, pregnancies, and closed hotels to show his control over all things. None of this was accidental. God is fulfilling his promises. God is completely in control. And this is always the case. I want to give you a verse from Isaiah 46, though, to show you this uh, from the Old Testament, the way God has summed it up. It says this. God says this. I am God. There is no other. I am God. There is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my, say it with me, purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. Here it is. I have spoken. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. This is what the Lord says. God is firmly in control. And what I want to do real quick, okay, real tiny quick, because I want to preach the passage. Because I know immediately some of you who are thinking this through already have questions in your mind. Well, if God is in control, then what does that mean about all the evil in the world? Like, well, if God's in control, you could just stop that. So why is there evil? If God is in control, what does that mean about my choices? So I have choices on each other. If God is in control, and some of you are thinking that, and I want to I wanna help you just for a second, but I can't preach a whole sermon on this. And what I also want to inform you on and help you think through is people have been asking those questions for all of time. And nobody, no, not nobody, can just put a little bow on a perfect little answer, give it to you, open it up, be like, oh, this makes total sense. I'll never wonder about that again. That won't happen with one sermon. That won't happen with a thousand sermons. Okay, there is some mystery to how God works things out in the world. Now, remember, this is a few weeks ago. This is a good thing. You don't have to get rid of mystery to have certainty. If God was completely understandable, he would cease to be God. If you and I could completely just map it out, boom, 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 this is what God, boom, 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 this is how God works, and he would cease to be God. If there was no mystery, and you and I and our little tiny brains could come up with all the answers, then God would cease to be God. So there needs to necessarily be some mystery. And so God works some of these things out in ways that are completely mysterious to us. 
that we cannot map out, logically deduce, or explain away. But I will say, and I want to encourage you today, that though there is mystery, God has given us the clarity we need. He has given us the clarity we need to be able to function in the world. So, once again, I'm not spending a sermon answering that question, but I want to, I want to do due diligence to what you're already thinking in your head to let you know that I'm thinking that. I'm not ignoring that. I realize that there's a lot of things come up when you say God is in control. We're not going to ignore that or act like that's not difficult to understand. Difficult. Your pastor thinks it's difficult sometimes too. Okay? But we're going to learn from the scriptures about what is clear. So there's mystery, but there's also clarity. And then we're going to preach the passage. Okay? So real quick, a couple things that are clear. Number one, that God's control does not take away our responsibility. We make choices and we'll be held accountable for those choices. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Romans 3.19, the whole world may be held accountable to God. So exactly how does that work itself out all the time? It's difficult and we can talk it through. But once again, I want to say there are answers, but they're not easily packaged in just two seconds for you. Okay, I'll give you some recommendations if you need it about books you can read. So number one, God's control doesn't take our responsibility. Number two, God's control over all things, good and bad, does not mean that God does evil things. God's control over all things does not mean God does evil things. James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. In light of that, though, you're like, okay, well, God's in control of everything, but the evil things, he doesn't do them. So what is that? Well, I want you to tell you from the scriptures, uh, God not doing evil doesn't mean that evil is out of his control. Okay, look at this. The most evil thing that ever happened on the planet was the most innocent man, Jesus, being crucified. God was completely in control of that moment, bringing it to pass. Acts 2.23 this Jesus, get these two things, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, his control, you crucified and killed. God's in control. The man is acting out the evil. These two things are happening simultaneously in ways that make your mind combust. Acts 4, 27 through 28. Truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, whom you anointed along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan, your hand, God, your plan, God, had predestined to take place. So God is completely in control, but he's not the one acting out the evil act. Okay? Now, God's control doesn't mean that you will avoid all evil now. The, the reason we care about this is because it gets personal, and we have suffering, and we think suffering sucks. And so we'd rather get rid of it, and if God's good, we get mad at him for letting us suffer. Let me show you from the scriptures. God's control doesn't mean you avoid all evil now, but it does mean that he can guarantee his promise. This is important. We focus so much on what has happened, we forget that the fact that God is in control is a good thing for him guaranteeing his promises to us. Nobody can keep him from executing his plan. I speak, I will bring it to pass, I will do it. He has promised us, Romans 8, 28, you guys know, to work all things together for good to those who love God and call according to his purpose. And to make for you and I one day a place where there is no evil, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, crying, pain, for the former things have passed away. So here's a little sentence to help you. God's control of all things doesn't mean you will have a painless past, but that he will secure a painless future. This is good news. God's control of all things does not mean you will have a painless past, but that in Christ he can secure for you, guarantee, take it to the bank, I speak it will happen, a, a painless future. 
that one day there will be a place where these problems are no more, and God is working out his purposes now in ways that can sometimes be explained and sometimes are difficult to understand, both personal suffering and suffering we see across the world, how these things work out. There's definitely good thoughts about it, but it's hard to sum up, and so I want to just say I know you're thinking about it. I want to give you the clarity from the Bible, and then we can continue to wrestle with this for the rest of time, because that's what we're going to do. But since this passage isn't necessarily about that, we're not going to do that, okay? So everybody good enough? All yes. right, mystery and clarity. All right, so let's do the passage, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered each to his own town, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child, and they were there. The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. Uh, and as I was reading through this passage, it just kept coming back to me, and for what are we going to talk about from this passage was the reality of God's control. That God is firmly in control of what's happening then, firmly in control of what's happening now. So I want to show you a few things about that. The first thing, notice in the beginning, if you have your little Luke study journal, I hope you do, you should circle in those days because we continue to affirm the fact that Luke is writing history, not mystery. He is not writing a myth or a fairy tale. He is writing about real events that happened in real time. That Jesus comes to the world in the context of real history, real kings, real things happening around him, and Luke always places the events of Jesus in the context of that history. He does not say once upon a time, he says in those days. And this is why, one of the reasons why you can be certain that what we have is the real deal. So, number one, I'm going to give you three points. The first is this. God is in control within the structures and systems of society. God is in control within the structure and systems of society. So look what's happening. Uh, there's Caesar Augustus, and he decides, not because there's some rule written down where he has to check on this so often or whatever. He decides, because that's what he decided to do, to make a, a decree that everybody would be registered. It's a census to find out who his people are, to make sure everybody's paying taxes, and to make sure he can order his rule in a way that he deems right. So he orders a census. This is a government ordering. Now, this is so interesting because imagine God has Joseph and Mary in Nazareth because that's where Joseph lives. Jesus is supposed to be born in Bethlehem, and Mary's pregnant. And I want you to see how God has a purpose and a plan, and what he could have done was sent Joseph a dream and said, Joseph, go to Bethlehem. He already did that once. Joseph, Mary's pregnant. Don't leave her, you know? Mary, you're about to get pregnant. Mary's like, what? You know? And he's done this twice. He sent dreams, visions, angels. He sent an angel. And he's telling them the truth. He could have done that again. So what is God doing? Well, God, in his controlling sovereignty, is orchestrating this moment through the mandates of a government ruler. And so one of the things that we see was what appears to be the whim of a ruler is really the work of God. God works within structures and systems of society, not just with politics and with, with that, but with everything that we see. I think one of the big mistakes we make is we think 
God, when we, when we tell God intervenes, that's when we give him credit for intervening, as if all the things that were happening weren't orchestrating his plan. God didn't just take what the guy decided to do. He had that worked out in his plan. This was part of his plan. And what I want you to see from this, this is so important, is that God wanted Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem because Jesus was supposed to be born there. And so he sent thousands of people back to their hometown. Thousands of people back to their hometown, making road trips, having difficulties, whatever it might be. God had a purpose for this scenario and that purpose involved him sending thousands of people back to their hometown. So we got to see God's big, complex rule here. So God works within the structures and systems of society. This is important for us as we think about all the different structures and systems within which we live. This is why God says in Romans 13:1 that we should honor our rulers and that we should live under their authority because God has instituted them. This doesn't mean that you like them or that you agree with everything that they do or that you even think they're worthy of that position. But it means that God is in control more than your vote and that God is doing what he thinks needs to be done. He institutes these things to come to pass. God is in control within the structures and systems of society. God is working through government decrees, working through the way your boss plans his way. He's working through the structure in which you live. God's in it and working in it. And he's not just, he doesn't need to just intervene at one point in time. He's working in it. And I know sometimes you're like, how in the world does that work? And that's where a little bit where the mystery is. Where we say, okay, God has made that clear to be true. And that's good news. So I'm going to trust him for it. Number two, God is in control from beginning to end. So God's in control within the structures and systems of society. He's always intervening, not just when we notice it. And number two, God is in control from beginning to end. So here's the prophecy I was just talking about that had to come to pass. Micah 5, 2. You should write this down in your Bible. Micah 5, 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of his, the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. So Micah 5, 2 through 5, a prophecy about the coming Messiah, which Jesus is going to fulfill. He needs to come out of Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary are in Nazareth. All right, Nazareth is a good bit of ways away from Bethlehem. So Joseph and Mary are in Nazareth. Jesus needs to be born in Bethlehem. And as we just discussed, God sends a thousand, thousands of people back to their hometowns to make good on a promise about Jesus. Now, are they just like, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, gratuitous? Is it just like whatever happens to them? No, what you have to think about now, this is a crazy thing about but I'm going to make this point here. God's control is complex. When we see one thing, God is always doing a thousand things. So God had a plan to send Jesus to Bethlehem in the way that he did it. Remember, he could have sent him an angel. He's already done that. And he could have just made a straight path. But in God's providence, not only did he want Joseph in Bethlehem, he wanted everybody else back where they came from. That's what he wanted. And so now he's sending all these people, and his eyes aren't just on Joseph and Mary. His eyes are on everybody, and he's leading them through the path that he has made for them to who knows do what. Restore family ties that were broken. Come to know God because they did this or that. 
come to repent. Whatever it might be, God is orchestrating each one of their lives. And when we see one big thing that happens, we can't ignore the fact that God doesn't have hyper-focus. God sees all things. He's working all things together in every situation. So God sends Joseph and Mary via a ruling that affects thousands of people to get Jesus born where he needs to be born and to do whatever he needs to do in everybody else's life. And once again, this will make your head explode. And it should because he's God. And I'm not going to sit here and apologize for the fact that we can't completely understand how in the world he does all this. All the time. But once again, we have enough clarity. And God has showed us throughout the scriptures, whether we like it or not, that he is fully in control of everything that happens. Nothing happens by accident. God is not like, God doesn't say whoops, or I'm sorry, or I regret it. God doesn't do that stuff. God's in control. And this is good news when you know God is on your side. God's control is complex. Now, this is true in your life. When you think he's doing one thing, he's probably doing a thousand things. When you feel like it's very little, it's probably a whole lot. God sees this whole picture. When you feel like someone else's circumstance has dramatically affected your life, can you imagine if they knew, hey, you guys got to get back to your hometown because I need Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem. But what does that got to do with me? Why? This is stupid. This is annoying. Why is this affecting my life? Why are someone else's decisions affecting my life? Why is someone else's situation affecting my life? And how many times have we thought and said that? And so I want you to know and be encouraged in those moments that when someone else's situation is affecting your life, it's because God is working together his purpose and his plan. And that when you see one thing, God is doing a thousand things all the time. All the time. God's control is complex. It's complex. Okay, number three. This is my favorite one. God is in control when it seems like he's not. I love this. God is in control when it seems like he's not. So God is in control within the structures and systems of society. He's working through all things. There is not a sphere of society apart from his control. Number two, God is in control from the beginning to the end, from prophecy to his fulfillment in every way in your life as well. Number three, God is in control when it seems like he's not. So get this. Uh, they make a long trip. Look at verses 6 and 7. So they, they make this long trip. They get to Bethlehem. And it's time for Mary to give birth. Verse 6 says the time came for her to give birth. I want you to think about how much of all of history is in those three words. The time came. Kings and rulers and this, all these terrible things happening throughout the people of God's history and rebellion and repentance and being taken captive and going in and out and here and there and everywhere and barren wombs and all these different things. And now the time came. Now the time came for her to give birth. This is intentional for us. This is intentional in a word that we need to learn. When we call accidental, God calls intentional. What we call circumstance, God calls sovereignty. What we call accidental, the time came. It just so happened that the time came at that moment. No, 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 no. It just so happened that that event happened at that moment. It just so happened that I was there at that moment when nothing happened. It just so happened that that affected my life in that moment. No, no, no. What we call accidental, God calls intentional. What we call circumstance, God calls sovereignty. The time came. She was in the right place at just the right time to fulfill God's perfect plan. The time came. But look at verse 7. I love this. Look at verse 7. So she gave birth. She wrapped him in a swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because, why? There was no room for them in the end. Get this. The time came, but verse 7 makes it seem like bad timing. 
I want you to read this story with your normal person lens on, okay? We read Bible stories like, oh, that's cute. This is not cute, all right? Especially for the people who've been pregnant in the room. They're like, no, this is not cute. This is not like, oh, you know, major, so sweet. No. Imagine she's pregnant, and she's going on a road trip, not in a car, but on a wagon, being pulled by a donkey. You know? She's like, oh, this stinks. And Joe's like, we got to do it. And they're like, what is God doing? You know? Gotta go to the bathroom. We just go around, you know, whatever. This is happening. Real people, real people, you know? She's really pregnant. Being pregnant now on a road trip is not fun. Much less back then. So she's pregnant. They finally get to Bethlehem. And it appears, it's hard to know for sure, that as soon as they cross the border, she goes into labor. Right, it appears. They get there, and it just seems like while they're as soon as they get there, she seems to go into labor to give birth. It's so fast that they haven't had time to even settle in. She goes into labor before they even get to where they intended to go, before they settled in with the people that they know. They get there, and it seems like bad timing. The road trip was bad timing. The census was bad timing. Man, I would have rather stayed in Nazareth at my home where I'm comfortable. The census, bad timing. Okay, but we're going to do that. That's what we have to do. Now we get to this situation, and my labor's bad timing. The whole situation looks like bad timing. If we were to assess it from the outside, we'd say bad timing. If it was happening to us in the moment, we'd say it's really bad timing. But in God's mind, the time came. It was perfect timing. God is in control even when it seems like he's not. I'm trying to imagine, were they panicking? She is super anxious. Are they scrambling to find, you know, whatever? People have different thoughts about what it means that they can't find a place for the inn and Maybe it's not that they went knocking at every door or whatever, but it's not that they, it's that they couldn't find the ideal place for her to give birth, and they couldn't find it in the right time. And I imagine going through all that, being in contractions, Joseph's freaking out, what are we going to do, this is that, this is that, what am I, you know, and then you get to this point, and it says the time came. And the time came for what? To have Jesus born in a manger? Once again, we think that's cute. It's not cute. Jesus is the Lord of the universe. He made all things. He could be born anywhere. And the time came and he's born in a manger. Doesn't God have a better solution? Doesn't God have a better idea than that? Isn't God in control? Why would it happen this way, bad timing, and a bad result if God's in control? Isn't God in control? That's what we would be thinking. That may be what you're thinking right now. What's happening in my life? Bad timing. God must not be in control. What's happening in my life? Bad circumstances. God must not be in control. What's happening in my life? Bad results. God wouldn't do it this way. No. Well, apparently he would. And apparently he is because that's what he's doing in your life right now. The time came and it seemed like bad timing. And I want to encourage many of you today that God has a different clock. God looks at a clock of sovereignty, not a clock of circumstance. God looks at a clock that's telling the story of the world, not just your life. God looks at the clock from the very beginning of you to all the way through eternity. God is looking at who you will be hundreds of years from now. God is looking at all of these things, and God orchestrates these things. So when your life, when it's true for you that the time came, the time came for this event, the time came for me to be here right now, the time came, and it looked like bad timing, Trust the Lord. His timing is perfect. It says the time came, 
And it looked like bad timing, but his timing is perfect. Number three, God is in control even when it seems like he's not. And get this, the time came, and as we see throughout the scriptures, the time will come. When he said the time will come, way back when, it took thousands of years to bring that to pass. But the time that he said would come, did come. The time came. And now for us, he said it again. Not only did Jesus come one time, he's coming again. And when he comes back, we need to be ready. Jesus died, rose again. He is our Savior. If we trust in him, we can have eternal life. But if he comes back and we're not ready, it may look like he's waiting a long time. Remember earlier, they waited thousands of years. But the time came, and that's true for you. The time will come. It may look like you have a lot of time. It may look like you have a lot of time to make these decisions. It may look like you can keep coming back every Sunday and figure out what you really believe. But I want to encourage you and press on you today that the time will come. The time will come, and you will need to be found in Jesus. The time will come where you have no more second chances. The time will come, and Jesus will reveal himself, and that's it. The time will come. In the same way God keeps his promises to bring it about, he will keep his promises to bring it to pass again. Jesus will come back. That time will come. And that's an encouragement to many of you as well, that you're in the middle of it. And earlier, my God's in control, even over evil, even though he doesn't do it. Your mind's going to explode. And you're like, what is this? And what do I do now? But remember what we said. God's control does not mean that, he will have, that you will have a painless past, but that he can secure a painless future. That the time will come. That one day, the time will come. And it'll say the time came because God will secure that for you. And whether it's in heaven or however he works that out, his promises to you will pass. The time will come. God will deliver on what he said. He has spoken and he will do it. So in the midst of your pain and suffering and the fact that you're confused and the timing looks bad, you really, at the end of the day, trust in the Lord or not. You either put your eggs in that basket, I'm going to trust the Lord with this, you don't understand it, or I'm going to try to figure it out myself and see if by my strength I can deliver myself. And I think you and I both know where the best option is. So be encouraged. In the midst of your crisis, the time will come. God will deliver. God is here for you. God always keeps his promises. And for those of you who are still hesitating and wondering what you should do with Jesus, remember, the time will come. You don't have as much time as you think. And today, God is calling you to follow him and trust him. God is in control, even through systems and structures of society. God is in control from the beginning to the end. God is in control, even when it seems like he's not. What appears like bad timing is really perfect timing, and we should trust him. All right, so let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you are in control. That certainly does. Um, God just boggles our minds sometimes how that works out all the time, Lord. But we thank you that it's true. We thank you, Lord, that you are absolutely in control of our lives. That nothing happens by accident. That we don't have to worry or be anxious. That what you have said, you will bring to pass. And although that requires some pain now, you have promised a painless future. I pray. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage your people today, that you are in control, that we would stand on that rock, Lord, not the rock of, not the sand of our being able to manipulate our circumstances, Lord, but the rock of your sovereignty, Lord, that you would bring more clarity than confusion, and that you would lead all of us, Lord, to trust in you, and whether that be for the first time for some, or a continual reminder for many, Lord, I pray that we would see your control, put our trust in you, take our trust away from ourselves and put it in you, Lord, so would you do that today? We love you that nothing is wasted in your world. Nothing is wasted in your plan. It's where we can trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen.